0: Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking you're bunking? Garrett, the script! Okay, here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. hello everybody and welcome into episode 13 of I'm not targeting your' targeting proudly presented by man of means uh, hand lotion skin care products if you will you can you can google search them it's on Amazon man of means this brings you this wonderful podcast Tom uh, how's it going this, this afternoon? It's
1: going fine until you keep bringing up manamines. I means. I, I think I'm keep getting the uh, short end of this funnel.
0: <laughs> short end of the funnel. We can add that one to Chip in the Purse and the Cocktail Bowl. Did you remember the Cocktail Bowl from last year or year before?
1: I do. I thought that was like, yeah, I think that was like two years ago.
0: <laughs> I was telling, uh, telling somebody about <laughs> that Nothing like a good
1: how... Cocktail Bowl.
0: Like we've got, uh, we've got a few things that people hear, and they're like, "What are they talking about?" And if if you're if you've been with us, you know exactly the little inside jokes. But if it's your first, if it's your first episode, it's like chip in the purse. What are they talking about? And you know, this might be some people's uh, second episode because you told me we were like double the downloads. Uh, from last week when we recapped the Tennessee game. So I guess everybody loves it. Even the Bama fans love to hear what people have to say after Bama loses a game. It happens so infrequently during the regular season. Uh it's granted great. We're we do four
1: listeners now.
0: <laughs> we we do lose uh you know, most years we lose a game in the regular season, but we seldom do we lose two. And uh that will be a topic of conversation coming up because you know we are on our bye week. We have two tough road games back to back, and uh, the the they look the the games look a lot different than they did uh, last week. They look a lot different than they did a month a month and a half ago. Um, you know, if I said we had to we were gonna if if somebody told me you're gonna win one you're gonna lose one a month and a half ago I'd said okay well LSU's a win Ole Miss is a a, a loss. Now um, I don't know if that's not reversed if somebody said hey you're gonna lose one you're gonna win one but. We will cover that next episode. We're gonna look this this week at uh, we're gonna recap the Mississippi State game, of course. Give out midterm grades for Bama. I know we're eight games in of a twelve game season, so it's really two thirds of the way through, which is just sad. But we're gonna call it midterms, and then we're gonna rank the undefeateds. Might talk about the Cocktail Bowl. Might talk about Arkansas at Auburn. We're gonna sadly recap our bets and then give you four more picks that you definitely should not pick this week. If you, if you have been following our picks, so without further ado, Tom, I'll turn it over to you. You got the commentary tonight. What you got for us?
1: That was a very succinct little uh, chronology of events upcoming on this podcast. Well done, there, sir. Oh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> you know there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk this past week about the Burton situation, and whether or not he did or did not in that grainy video, you know, take a swipe at a Tennessee fan, a female Tennessee fan, nonetheless. And I think everybody was kind of tuned in when Saban talked about the game the next next day, and obviously this topic came up, and, and let me just read you this quote by Saban. He said... I didn't think it was necessary to suspend the guy. If you knew the whole story, maybe you wouldn't either. But I'm not going to divulge that. And so I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, Saban is saying that there is a storyline there that a lot of people may not have felt the same way after hearing it. So... I called one of my good friends and asked him his thoughts on it. You may or may not have heard of this guy before. His name is David Letterman. He's retired now. And he gave me a top ten on what Saban might have known that he didn't want to divulge. So is Letterman still alive. He's still alive. He's got a full beard scene going. All right. So I feel number like I 10, need to provide a drum roll. <laughs> it would be appropriate at this time, sir. <laughs> we may just uh, uh, mesh that in, clip it in later. But number 10 on the things that Saban might have known that would have discouraged a suspension. Number 10. Burton actually has Tourette Syndrome. I think that that would be a good one. I mean, you can't fault him for that if that's the case. True. Number 9. The girl actually had something in his in her hair, and he was being a gentleman trying to knock it out. Again, <laughs> hard to fault a guy there. Number eight. She asked him to make out, but she had a penis.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> wow, this podcast taking a turn that- for the worst, quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just. I'm I'm thinking these are all practical items that he may know about. I don't know exactly which one, but it very well could be one. Uh, Number seven, it was just a skit for TikTok. Number six, the ghost of Bear Bryant told him to do it. How does Saban (laughs) argue with that? Number five, Burton's NIL sponsor told him to do something bold. You know, any press is good press. You know the adage there. Yep. Number four thing that Sabin might have known that didn't want to divulge: she had on an ISIS T-shirt. Hmm. I mean, can you can you can you fault the guy for protecting our country? No. Uh,
0: USA. USA.
1: USA. Number three, he thought she was trying to murder a little girl. I mean, who would who would fault him for that? Not I. Number two. She called Miss Terry a bitch. That's
0: probably the, the worst one you've I? read so far. Well,
1: I know. That was number two. I couldn't believe it when Letterman told me. All right, ready? And the, the number one thing that Saban might have known but didn't want to divulge... It was not forcible contact to the head or shoulders. <laughs> so he got off on a technicality there.
0: Yeah, that's, that's – because uh, if that would have been targeting, he would have had to miss the entire game since the, that game was yes, over. There was, yeah.
1: That's right. Plenty of replays there, and I think it went down about the way the replay went in the game where the targeting was missed. I think that one might have been uh, uh, evaluated in the same manner.
0: Yeah, man, it's uh. So what? Are, I guess the the commentary is going to focus on uh on Burton. I, I I like that we changed it up a little bit, a little humor to start out with. Um, I, I was glad that he wasn't suspended. I, it wasn't. Did he did he make contact with her? Yes, he did. Did he open fist come out of left field and hit her right in the eye and deck her? No, he did not. And. Bottom line is, and I guess it's easy for Bama fans to feel this way because we don't rush the field. But the bottom line is, if you get on the field, the rules are out the window, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're you're in a field of play where gladiator-style combat is going on.
0: All right. Are you done? Do we need to segue into? Uh... I'm done. Let's <laughs> let's talk about the game, man. That's let's the quickest that. commentary ever. Well, you know what? I did have written up here in the upper margin that if Burton gets, if Burton's name gets brought up, here's what I want to say. Uh, I read the Auburn boards this week or today, and Philip Marshall. They're um, they're blowhard. It, he, I can't stand him. He had about twelve bullet points of his, I don't know what he calls them, morning musings or something other. And four of the bullet points basically revolved around Burton and Burton not being suspended. He even, uh, he even compared him to Joe Mixon, the Oklahoma running back, that closed fist cold a girl. And, like, it was just a disgusting film, you know, video. And, he, you know, he's, play, he's playing the NFL right now. So, and that that was funny because I think Oklahoma actually played Auburn in the bowl game. And one of the announcers, I don't know if it was, I guess it was the Auburn announcers, maybe the radio crew, when Mixon scored, they said, ah, Mixon just punched it in right there. (laughs) But I was thinking about this. You know, they were making fun of Saban saying that Burton was scared. You know, I don't know, man. It, It was a girl. And but to have that just throng of people coming at you is it's not a pleasant situation because you're mad you've lost. They're taking out 15 years of frustration. There's I'm sure they're shooting you birds. Lord knows what they're telling you. So I was thinking, you know, because Philip Marshall said Bama ought to be used to teams rushing the field on them. Like basically saying when we lose, teams rush the field. And that's true. So I was thinking, when's the last time? that auburn has had the field rushed on them like when has somebody beaten auburn and it's been a big enough deal to rush the field and we can't say clemson from what four or five years ago clemson rushes the field every saturday apparently in the acc it's not a rule against it but like when's the last time lsu has beaten someone and the fans have rushed the field when's the last time that tennessee has been beaten and they rushed the field because they beat tennessee do you follow me
1: I do. You have yeah. to be good for that to be a uh, exactly,
0: in, in a, yeah. So I think we need to so wear. I, it. To
1: answer your question, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm just trying to think.
0: No, I don't. How I don't know either. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time that Florida has been good enough for teams to rush the field when they beat them. I wonder, did Tennessee rush the field this year when they beat Florida? Because you know, Florida's had their number ever since basically the Spurrier days. I mean. I would say since 1992, so that'd be 30 years. I'm going to say Florida leads that series 22 to 8, 23 to 7, something like that, which is, well, and a lot you, of those. Could, do what yeah, now? When
1: Kentucky beat Florida a few years ago for the first time. I guarantee you they run the rest of the field then.
0: Well, I think that was at, uh, at Gainesville. And which brings me to this point. So, two years from now, we go to Knoxville and we win. And let's just say all the Bama fans to band together and say, "Hey, as soon as the game's over, if we win, we're rushing the field. Are they going to arrest us? Because they didn't arrest anybody, that to my knowledge, uh, that that rushed the field. Are they going to arrest twenty thousand Bama fans that rushed the field? It's it's not it's not tip for tap, which it's another irritating part at it. But fans just stay off the field, and we don't have this happen. But I, I like that Sabin played him. It wasn't that big of a deal on the uh, on the hit." I would say the same thing if it was a Bama fan rushing the field. Like I said, it's just a foreign idea for us, foreign concept. So, you know, leading
1: leading up into the Mississippi State game as well. Not only did Saban catch some flak for, you know, whatever discretionary punishment, if any, he he leveled out to Burton. but golly, did you see the amount of national attention he gets, which he does all the time. But you know, Saban's lost it. Feinbaum called it the worst coaching job of his career, and that he's lost his edge. And uh, there was a couple other national syndications that you know, again declaring the dynasties over, basically saying that nobody come out and said that because of the, the uh, you know, the possibility of getting them. Thrown back in their face in three years, but but nonetheless, there was a lot of saving hate out there this past week for a loss that, like we've already talked about, happens practically every year.
0: Yeah, almost
1: yeah. every year there's at least a loss like this. This this is a bigger deal if Tennessee curb stomps us fifty to three. Now you've got some issues.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, for but,
1: sure. You know, the the narrative, just like you said, it, it's not really fair the way the narrative uh, goes as, as far as when you beat Bama and what's allowed, and what's not as rushing the field. Same thing with Zabin. You know, that that narrative isn't. You, you put that three-point loss the other way and Alabama wins, you know what the headlines are the next week? Hypel has got this team close to competing at the upper
0: levels. Yeah, guaranteed.
1: Yeah. That's what the headline is. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's frustrating, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah, but I I, I like where we're at as a program. You know, it, there'll, there'll be a time, probably where you know we don't get the field rush because it's somebody's third win in a row against us, and it's no big deal. We hope that day isn't any soon. But you know, we're not going. Saban's not going to live forever. Saban's not going to coach forever, and the, the chances of us getting the the hire right right after him. Is going to be very difficult, but you said a lot of a lot of vitriol thrown at that Saban and the coaching staff and players, and you know, on our podcast, Tom, I didn't play football. You didn't play football outside of high school. You know, I'm not going to call players out. I'm not going to really. I mean, I guess we call coaches out sometimes, but like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call out players. And I'm not even going to give an example because that would, somebody would say, well, there you are calling the player out. He used him as a convenient example. But there's another podcast. There, believe it or not, there's another Bama podcast. Did you know that? I thought we were what? like the only, yeah, the only one. Well, this one is called The Bama Factor and it's on YouTube. I don't know if you saw it last week or not. But as Stephen M. Smith, do you know that fella? I think he does some, some, I think he's I in think Tuscaloosa. I think I've seen him on Twitter. Yeah, he's on. He's at. Uh, you know, he's in Tuscaloosa. And then there's another guy I didn't I didn't know him. And uh, but then they have players. They had former players on there. They had Nick Gentry, uh, Bo Scarborough, and uh, Marvin Constant and Reggie Ragland. And dude, did you see it? I, I don't want to act like I don't. I, I don't want to. Like, we're not teasing the crowd. Ooh, I bet Tom listened to it and he's going to play off what Jason says. (laughs) I don't know if he's...
1: I I, I have not seen it. Go ahead. Okay.
0: Well, dude, they dropped the hammer. I mean, first off, Marvin Constant is wearing a T-shirt that says, Hashtag Fire Pete. Okay. And he's not talking about Pete Buttigieg, our, um, our Transportation Secretary of the United States. He's talking about Pete Golding. And they're just blistering and i'm talking about they're calling names and calling numbers they they just rake toe toe over the coals and they get on will anderson will anderson as we i think all agree he's going to go down as probably one of the top 10 players to ever play at alabama at any position uh, as far as in the fans minds you know i mean if we did a top 10 right now Gosh, I you know, Derek Thomas is in there for sure. I'd say Cornelius Bennett. I'd say our Heisman Trophy winners are in there. But that is rarefied air. They're calling him out on having anxiety. And, you know, Anderson said that he had anxiety. Man, they were just blistering him saying, you're at Alabama. Nick Gentry, just he's like, you're at Alabama. You don't have anxiety. You cause anxiety. He said, we used to beat teams so bad, they would lose a week after us. And my point of all this is saying this. I, I'm quite sure. I don't know if if, uh, if To'o and Will Anderson saw the actual podcast, but you know they heard about it. And, you know, it, it should have lit a fire in them, and I think it did. We played a lot better defensively this week. I mean, we shut out – for 59 minutes and 59 seconds, we shut out a, a an offense that is very – can score a lot of points. And I was just really scared after – after the way Tennessee just torched us because I would say, well maybe not now, but before the Tennessee game, I would say that I would have said that Mississippi State's passing game was more uh caused me more anxiety, if you will, than than Tennessee's. Of course that's no longer the case with uh with the receivers they got running out. But State's good. I mean, they smashed A and M, you know, forty to seventeen and and beat Arkansas rather handily. So To hold them scoreless for virtually the entire game, I was very impressed. And and welcome to football, Eli Ricks. Man, did he look good or what?
1: Yeah, I mentioned this to you. uh, Over the weekend, I was at a wedding, and I had to watch. I only got to watch the first half and and about half of the third quarter, and I had to watch it on my phone as they were doing ceremonial stuff. And so I was the (laughs) – I was the quintessential guy looking at their phone during a wedding, and you know they always make fun of that, but it actually happened to me on Saturday. But but yeah, he, he looked he looked he looked very good, and uh, you know I, I don't I don't know I don't know how to answer that. You know I don't know why he hadn't been on the field previously. Uh, maybe the guy's a gamer. There are those types of people. You know there there are guys who. Who don't practice well, uh, but ball out during the game, and maybe that's maybe that's what's happened here. You know, he he hasn't hasn't earned his his spot in practice, but he finally gets a shot in the game, and he just goes balls to the wall. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know if Mississippi State really took advantage of the holes that we were exposed with in the Tennessee game you know they they Mm -hmm. went for the dink and dunk passing game all night instead of the home run down the middle and maybe they don't have the wide receiver personnel for that type of game maybe that's just not their well I know it's not their forte I mean uh they usually throw a bunch of passes just like they they did they didn't change their offense up for us I guess is what I'm saying and so but but agreed, Rick's well played Saturday. I hope that's a sign of things to come.
0: Yeah, I've got my I've got my theory on on Eli Ricks playing. And I think it was in Saban's second year at LSU, and I don't remember who he told if it was his athletic director or somebody. He said there's a guy on the team, this is at LSU of course, there's a guy on the team and he could help us win. He might even help us win a national title, but I can't play him because he's he's not doing everything right. And if I play him, it's going to hurt us down the, in the long run. And I wonder if that was Rick's. I wonder if he comes in and he's not doing the things he needs to do. We know he can help us on Saturday, but he's not doing the things he needs to do Monday through Friday. And, I mean, Saban is not going to play you. You know, it'd be very interesting to see a kid like Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson. You know, there are legendary rumors at Auburn that Bo Jackson You know, his junior year, he's like – he came to practice when he wanted to. And he told Pat Dye what he wanted to, and he still played. You know, I don't think – as much talent as those two two individuals have, I really believe that if they did not – if they were at Bama under Nick Saban and they didn't do what what they were supposed to do Sunday through Friday, I don't think they'd play. That's just – that's him. So, my thing is, maybe Ricks is like, after the Tennessee game, just said to himself, you know what? Uh, let me do it let me do it Sab's way and let's see let's see if I'm rewarded and he was rewarded and man he played great I tweeted out I don't know what's wrong with my Twitter but I tweeted out to uh, off my personal account but I tweeted to at targeting night we encourage um, we encourage everyone to use that Twitter handle at targeting night tweet at us and ask us anything you want to and uh, I retweeted I, I think you I think you liked it actually but I cannot pull it back up I had to just kind of make it up. I think Ricks was thrown at 10 times, give or take, and the quarterback rating in those throws was like 39.8. And the tweet went on to say if, if basically, if Will Rogers would have stepped back, taken one step back and thrown it in the dirt, spiked it all 10 times, he would have had the exact same quarterback rating as throwing at Nick, at at Eli Ricks. So that that was, that was pretty impressive. And as, as you know, we've, you've had major questions about our quarterback ratings when, uh, when Milrow will come in and go 0-for-1 with three handoffs, and he has a higher rating than Bryce Young, who's thrown for four touchdowns. So it's an inexact science. But the concerns of this game, I was very happy with the defense. The concerns, we had 29 yards rushing. That is not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it next week at LSU. It's not going to cut it the week after at at Ole Miss. And let's be honest, that's not going to cut it against Auburn. And I know Auburn is – maybe you know we feel like they're a sinking ship but man i've said it i've said it to auburn fans i've said to bama fans i know they won't get rid of harson but those kids are playing hard for him they're not milling it in because if they were milling it in that that old miss score last week instead of what 48 to 34 it'd been 48 to 10. and we're gonna have to do better on the offensive line i know mclaughlin has been out we think we're getting him back for the lsu game at center That'll be a big deal. But I'm going to tell you something happened, Tom, <clears throat> that really gives me hope in the in the second half, and it's actually the last play of the game. Did you see the last play where they scored?
1: Uh, no, I did not get to see that.
0: Okay, so it's like I think the clock is running, man. and it, Yeah, I'm, I, they're out of timeouts. I think we tackled them in bounds. It's like five, four, they get lined up, three, two. I'm like, oh, my gosh, please don't let them score. And we let him score as a running plate. No big deal. We won the game 30 to 6. Man, I don't know if it was Helms. I can't remember what player. One one Bama player got all in another Bama player's ass. I didn't re-watch. I should have watched and got the numbers and names. But I mean he chewed his butt. Now listen, and Saban went nuts with 20 seconds left. I think we had a penalty and he went nuts. I was about half asleep at the time because like I said, the game was not that fun in the second half. Offensively, we just were, went in a shell. I don't know what we did offensively. I know we kicked two field goals, which just we should have. You know, we I wanted to see touchdowns. We all wanted to see touchdowns. At twenty-four half, we need to get in the forties, and we didn't. We barely got to thirty. But Saban's going nuts with twenty seconds left, up thirty to nothing. And but more importantly, our players are going nuts on each other. And dude, that's where it's at. Remember the two thousand twenty, uh, the two thousand twelve Notre Dame national championship game where A.J. and Barrett Jones got into it. Remember against Georgia. They were up about 30. We had, yeah, we had two players against Georgia in 2017 that got in a fight on the sidelines, (laughs) and we won. That's just holding
1: each other accountable. That's what, that's what that's about.
0: Yes, for sure, and that's what I'm saying. That made me happy because that's guys that understand they understand the process. It doesn't matter what the score is on the scoreboard. If you're up 30, if you're down 30, every play has a life of its own, and you're going to play it to the best of your ability. And if you do that enough times and with superior talent and, well, superior coaching, we think, then you're going to win more than you lose. You're going to win a lot more than you lose. And that is why the Bama, two Bama players, the one was getting on the other one because he did not – play to the standard that we expect but I I was I'm just excited that podcast had to wake our guys up and I don't I'm sure you saw what Leach said about they asked him the problem with Mississippi State's team and he said I'll tell you one problem we're scared of Alabama jerseys and he said we got some kids that when they put that Bama jersey on they they're just scared he said it scares them I don't I don't know how we're going to overcome that he said they're not scared of other jerseys of players that are, you know, sometimes just as good as Alabama. So, man, he called them out. It's going to be very interesting to see. State's on a bye, and then they've got Auburn coming to town. It's going to be very interesting to see how they respond to to Leach getting on them because, man, State, after after the wins they had, back-to-back weeks, Arkansas and A&M, they did not think they'd be sitting at, what, five and three now, I think. So, They're you know, they're disappointed. But uh, overall – Well, I had I – had- Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I had pretty much the same take as you defensive wise. We could have run the ball better, and that's concerning. I mean, we've been talking about on here that Gibbs has brought a new dynamic to our running game, particularly uh, you know swing passes out of the backfield. That's a that's a a big big plus. But he's also been explosive. If he can get past that first uh, wave of players into the secondary, he's got the ability to turn it on and go to the distance, which we've been missing, and we talked about that. But all that aside, how confident are you now? And this would have been even before the Mississippi State game. And I don't know if this if this is more a a tell on the running backs with offensive line or both, but how confident are you that we can line up on third and one-and-a-half or fourth and one-and-a-half and run the ball up the middle and get it? Not at all. So, and that was even before the State game. Yeah, and, yeah. and then on Saturday – you know, Gibbs had, I, I forget how many yards he had, 19 or something total yards. McClellan averaged 1.9 yards per carry. Roy Dale averaged 1.2. And this is not like we didn't try to run the ball. I mean, we had plenty of rush attempts. We just couldn't move it. And so that was, that was concerning. Um... Receiver play, a recurring theme. Again, this point in the season, you are who you are, I think, receiver-wise. I know Harold, uh touched the field for the first time, but that was a late, almost garbage-time entry for him. So mm-hmm. not sure what his status is moving forward, particularly in regards to starting lineup. But Brooks ended up being our leading receiver for the game, and that's the second time he's led us in receiving yards this year. And I knew that – I. Well, I thought I knew that he'd he'd led us once before, and he did. And when I went back to look at that, I noticed when he led us in receiving back in the third or fourth week, whenever it was we played Vanderbilt, he had 100-and-something yards receiving in that game. And then I looked a little deeper and realized that that was the only 100-yard receiving game we've had by receiver all year. Hmm. A single game by Brooks over 100 yards at Vanderbilt. That's concerning.
0: With the reigning Heisman Trophy winner.
1: Exactly. Throwing, throwing last the ball year, to him, yeah. Last year, we had a 100-yard receiver in 11 out of 15 games. I'm counting playoffs and everything. When yeah. you're playing the best of the best, 11 out of 15 games. One of those games was uh, against Mercer where, you know, you just rush the ball for, for everything you want in the first quarter and everybody takes a seat. but. But four times is the only times we didn't break 100 last year. And twice last year, we had two players over 100 in the same game. So, again, we are who we are at this point in the season. And if you can move the ball, that's fine. But don't expect to get into a game where you need a receiver to take over. I don't think we have that guy this year. That's not news. That's just a statement. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, and as poor as the Russian game was all night, what made it even worse was that Mississippi State was giving up almost 160 yards per game on the ground mm-hmm. to to the significantly less competition than than we are. Obviously, they haven't played anybody ranked higher than us to this point in the season, but almost 160 yards per game. Uh, brought their average down after Saturday down to 137. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, I you know those we we can't seem to get put together a a great all round game and maybe that's in front of us I don't know but uh, after this bye week it's uh, the the pressure's on and and you better be bringing all cylinders if you want to get get to the playoff.
0: Yeah, I'll um. A couple of things, and then we'll move on to the midterm grades for Bama. I, I'm very happy with Jameer Gibbs and Roy Dell and Jace McClellan, but we, and as much grief as I've given Scott McMillan the past five years, B Rob is starting in the NFL. Najee starting in the NFL. I mean, I think Jameer Gibbs is starting NFL, or or he'll be named as a starter. It just depends on. What play is opening up the, the game is whether or not he's, you know, steps on the field. Like, just say he goes to, um, you know, to Tennessee Titans and he's, he's second string to Derrick Henry. There'll be series where he'll be out there before Derrick because they're going to run this play instead of that play, you know. But we don't have that beefy, you know, guy does not skip leg day, in um, B-Rob or Najee on the team this year that would get that third, third and one third and one and a half you know I think Jace is the closest to it or maybe even Roy Dale but still they're more shifty than Najee or um, or B-Rob was so that is uh you know that's that's the concerning part there it's not like Gibbs can can gain 25 pounds in the in the the bye week, so like you said, we are who we are, and we're not bad. It's just, well, I mean, we're very good. There's probably there's probably about well, if there's one hundred and thirty Division one teams, there's about one hundred and twenty five of them that would trade rosters with us right now and not question it. And you know, here we are complaining about maybe we're nitpicking, but that's what you do when you when you win and you're used to winning. So a little spoiler alert for the the upcoming back to back road games. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say we're gonna I'm gonna say we're not gonna split them. I'm gonna say we win both or we lose both, and here's why: the winning percentage for road teams this year in the SEC is 32. percent The road team there there've been 28 true road games, conference versus conference teams. And they're nine and nineteen. Road team is nine and nineteen. So it's that is, and you know what? For all I know, this time last year, the winning percentage was at twenty-seven. I don't know, but I just feel like that it is very difficult to win on the road this year. LSU, I mean, um, Ole Miss found that out this weekend. Um, at Texas A&M found it out this weekend. They've lost three uh, on the road. You know, they've lost three in a row. They should be on a four-game losing streak with a neutral site, road, road, road. But instead, they won the neutral site, lost to Mississippi State, lost to Bama, lost to South Carolina. And welcome to the top 25, South Carolina. So, um, But enough about that. We'll, we'll get on the LSU-Bama game next week. So midterm grades for Bama. Let's start out with offense. Quarterback, what do you have? And I, I, I don't know how you did this. For all, I hope you didn't go scale of one to ten because I went letter grades. So did well, you go that, letters?
1: yeah, that's what I do. I went letters because that's okay. what grades mean. But um yeah, I mean quarterback A plus. Bryce is solid. Uh, you yeah. know, he was out of game obviously because of injury, but he is not he does not have the history of injury that Tua did. And so I expect that would to to pass on and hopefully it won't be a recurring thing, but to this part in the season, he's done everything and more we've asked of him. If we had receivers, you know, catching all the balls he's throwing his way, uh, we're likely undefeated and, and probably uh, not even got close games under our belt at this point.
0: Yeah, I went A++. I know I'm kind of breaking the rules there, but even on the milro milro comes in against Arkansas and converts that big third and 12, third and 15. That really takes momentum away from Arkansas. And, yeah, he didn't look spectacular, had some turnovers in, uh, against A&M. But bottom line is a backup quarterback won a ball game for you, and that's hard to do. So I've got A++ plus on quarterback. Running back is our next topic, our next um, position group. I've got A, and I know we just talked about we don't have that. <clears throat> Coach, you need, you need one, I get you three. <laughs> Coach, you need one, I get – or you need – you need a one, I get you three. You need nine, I get you three. We don't have that running back this year, but I'm very satisfied where we're at. Jameer Gibbs, fantastic out of the backfield. McClellan has a really notched out a role for himself. So I got us running back. I got an A, solid A.
1: I've got us at a B plus. Um, and I think I weighed a lot on this last game. Yeah, I, 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 They have played well up to now, but, but. – even up to this last game, like we mentioned a while ago, I didn't see the scenario where we could count on them to get short yardage situations when we wanted. We had trouble against uh, both Tennessee and AM in that respect. I mean, we we, we had decent production in those games, but, but nothing that I thought that we could count on them. Now, they're definitely subject to take it to the house, which gets them accolades, but I think there's just a little something missing from that rushing game, so I got a B plus.
0: Okay offensive line I've got B minus and that might be generous we have had uh, up up until the Mississippi State game we had had 10 offensive holding calls number of fault starts and I don't know I didn't look at I meant to look at the stats today to see if Mississippi State held us on offensively I don't know if we held them offensively I've got us at a B minus uh, maybe should have gone in the C range of that but you know, McLaughlin's out. I, I feel like that our tackles are are, are coming together and with a uh, Cohen and who's the book is it Booker that has played some guard too? I feel like we're pretty strong when he comes in. So I gotta set a B minus on the offensive line.
1: I gotta set a solid B. I think I think they're they're good. They're they're very close to being a really, really good unit, but they do give up too many hurries on Bryce, and we've already said it with the running backs. I think that's a, a collective effort between a running back and the offensive line to go in there and power in for a couple yards when you need it. When everybody knows you're going to run it, and you run it, and you get two yards regardless of what they're doing, that's the sign of an elite line. And we've had those. We've had those multiple times during savings tenure, but this is not one of those years. So I, I got to admit a B.
0: Yeah. All right, wide receiver, I'm very anxious to see where you have uh, where you have this position group graded. I've got us at a C with just too many drops. Um, no one has stepped up to be the guy. You know, JoJo Earl has got a couple of touchdowns, or maybe even more than that, maybe three. And, you know, he didn't play early on. So if, if he can round into shape, I had to eat crow on Tyler Harrell. He did step on the field. You know, but, it, man, it's late in the year. Like, it, it's one of those things, if JoJo's going to be the guy, he has got to start next week, you know. And if Tyler Harrell, or Harrell, however you pronounce his name, if he's going to make major contributions uh, on the last quarter or the last third of the season, it's got to start next week at LSU. So, I just, too many the drops is what's killing me. And nobody has stepped up and been the guy and told Bryce, hey, throw it to me, I'll catch it.
1: Yep, yeah, I got the same grade as C. I got two bullet points under there. One was saying dropsies, you know. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Oh, my Lord. I mean, that that is huge, particularly uh, when you need them. You, you know, we, we talked about that, but when Milrose started against AEM the week before was like, hey, you've got to help him here. And if there's ever a time yeah. not to drop balls, and if there's ever time to do the things you need to do to, to carry your weight on part of the team, now is the time, and they didn't do it then. Uh, they are who they are. They're going to drop balls. So let's not get all upset if they're in a big-time game in the next few weeks or, you know, hopefully in the playoffs and they drop a big-time ball. I mean, that's – I'm expecting that of them. But the second bullet point I have under there is no one has shown they have the separation speed needed to get open like the Tennessee receivers did last week – or like our receivers did all year last year, Jamison Williams, uh, Devonte Smith, Mechie, All those guys were really good at getting separation between themselves and a DB. You know, that's a lot of route running with knowing that you're not getting the ball. You have to run routes. I guess any, any time they're running routes, if you got a full complement of receivers, there are five receivers out there. You've probably got a 20%, particularly in this year's offense, you've only got a 20% chance of getting the ball. And probably some plays are called purposely where you're a decoy. Mm-hmm. But on decoy plays and even plays where you think it's likely you're not getting the ball, you have to have crisp route running. I mean, route running is more than just being in the right spot at the right time. It's you being in the spot and your defender not being there. And how do you accomplish that Well, you, you've got to use your you got to use your feet, you got to use your hips. you got to use your juking agility. I mean, you, you've got to create separation and we've had a very, very hard time doing that this year.
0: Yeah, and like going back to Smith and, and like we've talked, uh, we've beat a dead horse with Smith, Judy Ruggs, Waddle Mitchie, J-Mo. That That is where and even even uh, Slate Bolton last year, because and, and, I was always like, how do some players just get open? Well, they run good routes. Well, I mean, a route's a route. Like a slant's a slant. A dig is a dig. An out's an out. Well, no, it's not. Because Devontae Smith, if he's on this team, he's getting open. And because of his impeccable route running and, and the number of other players following that category. Overall, I gave us an A uh, on offense. I mean, the name of the game is scoring points, and we've scored points. We scored points in our loss. And we've scored points against everybody we played, with the exception of A&M, we only got 24. But, uh, you know, we're moving the ball. Uh, if we continue to play offensively uh, as good as we did against Mississippi State, we won't lose again as long as we punch some in in the second half.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Agreed. So what grade? Uh, you got an A overall? On the
1: defensive line?
0: I, no, or, no, 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 oh, no.
1: Overall for – Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize we were – I thought it was overall for the team. Okay, I, I misunderstood the assignment. Uh, <laughs> okay, so overall for the offense, uh, that's probably going to be – well, you're A-plus and you're you, yeah, it's going to be a a, a B. maybe on the verge of a B-plus.
0: Okay, so you, I'm A, your B, B-plus. We're very close there. All right, let's roll into Defense, defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back is how we have got this one drawn up. Uh, quickly, defensive line, I've got a B-minus. We talked about it early in the year. We felt we had some solid contributors. But, man, we do not have that guy that has to that commands a double team like we've had in the past. And it's showing with the, the lack of pass rush at certain times, certain games, and then sometimes the entire game. So I've got us at a B-minus. Not terrible, but we're definitely in room for improvement.
1: I still have us at an A here. I think they do a really good job for the most part against the run which is huge and and by being good against the run you free up the linebackers to do what they do there's defensive lines that can put pressure on a quarterback but give up gap plays in the run game those are no good and the opposite is also true you'd like to have a balance there I, I think the defensive line is is got a lot of talent and I think they do a lot of Things right. I do wish they would have somebody who could get upfield better and command that double team, like you said. But a lot of that, unfortunately, I think, is scheme. Uh, I think I don't think we are running defensive schemes that we have in years past that allow these guys to to play at their highest potential. Uh, but but I have an A for the D, D line.
0: All right. I'm, I guess I'm grading tougher. Uh, linebacker, I've got another B minus. I just feel like that we would would we've talked about where we expect Will Anderson to go, where we feel like Dallas Turner and um, and Braswell will go. To has had his struggles this year. He, he filled the stat sheet up this past weekend, but I've just got a B minus. I just feel like that when we're in the Cheetah package, it ought to be a sack every time, a hurry every time. It, it ought to force the quarterback into a bad pass. Interceptions galore, and it's just not. We're not getting home. We're we're getting close. We're just not getting home. So I got a B minus.
1: Uh, I still have an A in the linebacking core as well. I think they have played. And I guess I guess I'll piggyback on the DBs next. But collectively, the linebackers and the defensive backs. I think have done a pretty good job this year. I have A at linebacker and, and B at defensive backs.
0: I've got D at defensive backs. I think, you know what I think has happened? I think the Tennessee game really hurt my feelings. Well, <laughs> oh my that's grades. what I was just
1: fixing to say. You've, you've got the one game that really skewed <laughs> what's going on here, but outside of that game, you know, I'm looking at it. The the defense that gives up zero in the opener, they give up 19 to Texas, and that was only one touchdown, if I remember right. Uh, no, actually, that was zero offensive touchdowns. Right? There was a there was a defensive score by them, maybe, and then uh, field goal. So, I think you know, Monroe. B. John was a garbage scored. Touchdown. B. John got yeah.
0: in on the ground. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then. Uh, I think that was after a turnover, though. That I think they had a short field on it. Vanderbilt scored three. Uh, Arkansas scored twenty six, but you you remember those are some sloppy, sloppy penalties and turnovers in that game to allow them that. A and M was very similar, uh, and then Tennessee's the outlier, and then we got back to business against Mississippi State. So I, I think if you if you can. Close your eyes and pretend like that Tennessee game didn't happen. As far as grading these guys, <laughs> uh, I think they've done been pretty solid this year. That that one game was certainly atrocious, but yeah. um, is there room for improvement? Absolutely, particularly with the DBs, and that's why I have them at a a B. But I'll get I'll, I'll tell you this: uh, I'm not sure how many secondaries I would trade our guys for across the country. There's probably a couple units, but not many.
0: Yeah, no. and
1: and if and if there's not more than three, how can you justify them being lower than a B? Uh,
0: <laughs> Tennessee <laughs> hurt my feelings. What do you want me to no, say? I
1: know it did. <laughs> I know it did.
0: Well, I, I mean, here's what's, here's what's great about my scoring system. I got B minus, B minus, and a D. Overall, I got a B. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the highest grade they got is a B. You know, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That'll Just put give me at A minus a-
1: on our defense. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Special teams quickly, because man, we we're running short on time. I've got a C minus. I know we had a fantastic game uh, when we. Uh, I don't remember who it was against when a uh, Kool Aid ran all those punts, and then we put Branch in, and he ran one back for a touchdown. I guess I think it was non conference Lose Monroe, maybe. But it comes down to the kicker, and we—I did, didn't break this down into um, into categories like punt return, punt cover. But you know, the kickoff return—we're not downing the ball like we should, in my opinion, on the road, like at Tennessee. We're trying to make something happen. Let's just take the ball in the twenty-five and let Bryce work. And uh, you know, Rocker misses, like you said, you—you you nailed it last week. He's a great kicker. If the scores, you know, seventeen to nothing, twenty-four to three. But man, we need you to make some kicks, bro. And you came up short against A and M, and you came up short against uh, Tennessee. It's just hard for me. I got C minus on our special teams.
1: Yeah, I've got a C there as well. All of it, all the negativity of the C is basically brought down by the, the not only the field goal kicking, but also the punts. Burn burnup is serviceable but he's not he's not an elite punter. We have an no. elite team. He was an elite prospect out of high school which all our punters and kickers are. Uh, but we we need some of these elite prospects to actually show up and be elite. And he's not. Uh so and, and and to me I hate that soccer style kick. I don't know if people say it's effective. I don't I don't see it.
0: Um what do you want you us go to do straight out Wear the square-toed boot and tie the tie. Use the shoelace to tie it up to our calf.
1: (laughs) If 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 our guy, what was our guy that went to Green Bay? What was his name? Sky or
0: uh,
1: ah, that last punter we had that was so good. i oh, uh, yeah.
0: But
1: uh, anyway, uh, returns have been good. Punt returns have been really exceptional. They just hadn't punted to us the last couple of games, but that's what you get when you have an exceptional punt return. And, of course, you have to get teams off the field, like in Tennessee, to actually be able to field a punt. uh, So that's the positive. But, yeah, just kicking it. The only bright spot that's consistently bright, and I'll give credit where credit's due, I think Reichard has really turned up his kickoff uh, game this year. He, he he puts them deep in the end zone almost across the board every time, and, and and that's awesome. You know that's that just takes an aspect out of the kicking game where we don't have to worry about giving up a cheap one, and yeah, so for sure. he's been really good at that. So a credit due there.
0: But yeah, I got to see. Yeah okay, so we're we're pretty close. I, I graded this really hard on defense. I just uh, like I said, Tennessee skewed me. But we've Tom, we've got six undefeated teams left this year. And we're, we're guaranteed to have no more than four because Georgia plays Tennessee, Michigan plays Ohio State. But right now we have six. So I, this exercise, I wanted us to rank the top, our, our six undefeateds. This is not our CFP selections. This is the only six teams that are left undefeated, and we're going to rank them one through six. So the teams in question are Ohio State. Uh, I'm going to name them in, in alphabetical order. Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Tennessee, TCU. Those are the six teams. We're going to list them one through six. I, I'm just going to give my six, my top six, quickly, and I want to see where you're same, where you're different. Number one is Ohio State. I really feel like they could be interchangeable with Georgia, but I feel like Ohio State has not had those questionable games that Georgia had a couple of. So I've got OSU at one, Georgia at a solid number two, no question there. I've got Tennessee three. That they, they looked impressive against us. They didn't have a. Uh, of course, they only played Austin P. But, you know, they put 60-something points on the board against Austin Peay. That's what you want to do. You know, back in the day, those games would have been, after coming off of beating Bama, that emotional high, you know, you win the game 30 to to 20. I mean, it would be terrible. So Tennessee three, Michigan four, TCU at five, Clemson at six. Somebody tweeted this out. I can't agree more. They said Clemson is going to be undefeated. And it's going to leave a deserving team out, whether that's Oregon, whether that's Alabama, whether that's the loser of Georgia-Tennessee. And Clemson is going to get absolutely pummeled in the first round of the playoffs. But, again, Ohio State one, Georgia 2, Tennessee 3, Michigan 4, TCU 5, Clemson 6. That's ranking the undefeateds.
1: Yeah, the way I did this was I basically said, all right, on a neutral field, who wins? And so I do have Ohio State at one, beating everyone behind them on a neutral field. Georgia at two. I have Michigan at three because I do think that Michigan on a neutral field is probably better than Tennessee. Uh, I took Michigan, uh, followed that up with Tennessee. I do also think on a neutral field that Clemson is better than TCU, but I'm in full agreement with your statement because I think Clemson and TCU both are undeserving of the playoff. They both had very, very suspect games, And, and you're right. Clemson's got nothing left with the possible exception of the ACC championship game, but unfortunately, the ACC championship Leader on the other side of the division they will be facing is North Carolina, who has (laughs) struggled to get. I think they're currently six and one, but they they could easily have four losses now. One of them to App State, that they eked out a sixty-three to sixty-one game, I think it was. And I mean, they're they're not good. So Clemson has a cakewalk to the playoff, and that's unfortunate. One thing I did notice that I'll throw in here at this spot. Both Georgia and Ohio State are both top five in total offense and total defense. That's impressive. Yeah. Bauma, by know, Bama, way, by the way, checks in at 15th on both.
0: Well, we're we're run out of time. We're gonna have to skip the cocktail bowl, which I mean Georgia's favored by 22, 23. It's, it's pretty Most bad. of our
1: viewing audience will skip that game on Saturday as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, Florida's only hope is AR-15 just has the has the Stephen Garcia. Zach Calzada game and just throws for four touchdowns, runs for another, and Georgia turns the ball over three times. You know, that's that's the that is the hope. That's the only hope they have. So and I, I wish we could skip this next part, but we're gonna remain true to our fans or our listeners out there. Betts, I hope you did not take go with us this week. I had Ole Miss and Colorado State, both of them took an L, so I was 0 and two. Tom, you had Iowa and Texas. Iowa got crushed. I hated the Iowa pick. I had to act like I like it because I'm a team player, Tom. I hated the Iowa pick. I liked the Texas, and, I, of course, I liked my two picks. We went 0 for 4, so
1: sorry. I going to tell you what, in my book, Ohio State really established themselves as that number one spot after that Iowa win. Iowa definitely is a, atrocious on offense, and I said that last week, but I thought their defense would hold them close. And the first score I saw, Iowa was winning 7-3. to three. And then they were down 10-7. to seven. And then they were down 13-7. to seven. And I'm going, wow, okay, this defense is showing up. They forced a turnover to score their touchdown. They've held Ohio State to the first three drives. They held them to two field goals. Mm-hmm. Problem mm-hmm. was, they never stopped them all day, whether yeah. it was field goals or touchdowns. Ohio State had no problem with that defense, and that, that was impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, four picks that uh, for this week that I hope you do not take. I'll give you game one. What you got?
1: I got North Carolina State, minus 13.5. That's a bad Virginia Tech team they're playing this weekend. And State is 5-2, and two, but they're a pretty good team. I think they're a solid team. I don't think they'll have any trouble with Virginia Tech. This one should
0: get ugly. You cut out who did you? Who do they play? Virginia Tech. No, no. Who I know who plays Virginia Tech? Oh, North Carolina State. NC State. I don't, my the Wolfpack. Got you. Oh. All right. I'm gonna take the. Uh, you know, I'm trying to to think too hard on these. Like I'm like, oh, a And M. They got to win. That's a sucker bet. Tennessee is favored by twelve and a half over Kentucky at home. Dude, I'm rolling with the Vols. I I see Tennessee winning by thirty.
1: Be could be, I stayed away from it. I stayed in the ACC for my next pick. I just got through talking about how overinflated North Carolina's record was due to those close games. They're at home this weekend. They're only three and a half point favorites over Pittsburgh, and North Carolina's ranked number 21. I like Pittsburgh on the road plus the three and a half. I think they'll win out like outright moneyline bet.
0: Yeah, I've got a wrong team favorite on my second pick, too. I had to stay in the SEC. I couldn't find lines for anything else. And these lines were um, – their lines are not – I need to get a new side. I'm not getting good lines at Vegas Insider until, like, Tuesday or Wednesday. But uh, I had to go off the pick em sheets. I've got Auburn at plus four at home versus Arkansas. Both teams are reeling. I think the winner of this this game probably makes a bowl. The loser is looking to to – if it's Auburn, they're going to fire their coach. But if it's Arkansas, I mean, I am I like Pittman. But, like, you've got to win some ballgames, bro. You know, we're paying you a lot of money. We expect some good things out of you. So, NC State minus 13.5, Tennessee minus 12.5, Pitt plus 3.5, Auburn plus 4. There's your guaranteed. No way it's going to hit parlay for the week. Uh, running up on almost an hour, this is going to be our longest podcast ever. Lastly, CFP, and you're going to see the difference. And the CFP, and based on the the teams that were ranked, uh, the undefeated rankings because like I don't have I don't have Clemson in the top six, which is going to be very interesting. What the CFP committee does when they release their first uh, standings? I think it's November first, which will be uh, next next Monday. Yeah, so I've got Ohio State one that stays the same, Georgia two that stays the same, Tennessee three, Michigan four. There's your four undefeateds. I've got Bama at five and I've got TCU at six, and i tell you what, if Oregon would have played Georgia closer in the opener, I would probably have Oregon at six. They're looking really good right now, but I cannot erase the Georgia 41-3 to three or whatever that score was. So Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Bama, waiting for one of those to lose to move up, and then TCU at six.
1: Yeah, we're close. I'm still back on my undefeated list pretty much. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, same as last week. I've got Alabama and Tennessee in a tie for fourth uh, and Clemson at six instead of TCU. So okay. uh, I still have Clemson in there, but uh, it, like we, it, they're interchangeable.
0: Yeah, we both agree. If, if they slide into that fourth spot, they're going to be a sacrificial lamb to Ohio State. Heck, Bama might be a sacrificial lamb to Ohio State. <laughs> Maybe not, but whew, you're talking about, like I said last week, what we got off. Don't tell me we can't cram 10 piles of shit in a five-pound bag. <laughs> <laughs> Cause we we just did it again. We gotta get. I gotta quit being so wordy early in the podcast. But Tom is always. If you're gonna hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys.